Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 23, verses 13 to 33, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 23, verses 13 to 33. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, If anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men! For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you! Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we have not had taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? This is the word of the Lord. We have in these verses the charges of our Lord against the Jewish teachers ranged under seven heads. Standing in the midst of the temple, with a listening crowd around him, he publicly denounces the main errors of the scribes and Pharisees in unsparing terms. Seven times he uses the solemn expression, Woe to you! Seven times he calls them hypocrites. Twice he speaks of them as blind guides. Twice as fools and blind. Once to serpents and a brood of vipers. Let us mark that language well. 
It teaches a solemn lesson. It shows how utterly abominable the spirit of the scribes and Pharisees is in God's sight, in whatever form it may be found. Let us glance shortly at the seven charges which our Lord brings forward, and then seek to draw from the whole passage some general instruction. The first woe in the list is directed against the systemic opposition of the scribes and Pharisees to the progress of the gospel. They shut up the kingdom of heaven. They would neither go in themselves nor allow others to go in. They rejected the warning voice of John the Baptist. They refused to acknowledge Jesus when he appeared among them as the Messiah. They tried to keep back Jewish inquirers. They would not believe the gospel themselves, and they did all in their power to pervert others believing it. This was a great sin. The second woe in the list is directed against the zeal of the scribes and Pharisees for making adherents. They traveled across sea and land to make a single proselyte. They labored incessantly to make men join their party and adopt their opinions. They did this from no desire to benefit men's soul in the least or to bring them to God. They only did it to swell the ranks of their sect and to increase the number of their adherents and their own importance. Their religious zeal rose from sectarianism and not from the love of God. This also was a great sin. The third woe in the list is directed against the doctrines of the scribes and Pharisees about oaths. They drew subtle distinctions between one kind of oath and another. They taught the Jesuitical tenet that some oaths were binding on men, while others were not. They attached greater importance to oaths sworn by the gold offered to the temple rather than oaths sworn by the temple itself. By so doing, they brought the third commandment into contempt, and by making men overrate the value of alms and oblations, advancing their own interests. This again was a great sin. The fourth woe in the list is directed against the practice of the scribes and Pharisees to exalt trifles in religion above serious things, to put the last things first and the first last. They made great ado about tithing mint and other garden herbs, as if they could not be too strict in their obedience to God's law, and yet at the same time they neglected great plain duties, such as justice, charity, and honesty. This again was a great sin. The fifth and sixth woes in the list possess too much in common to be divided. They are directed against a general characteristic of the religion of the scribes. They set outward decency above inward sanctification and purity of heart. They made it a religious duty to cleanse the outside of their cups and platters, but neglected their own inward man. They were like whitened sepulchres, clean and beautiful externally, but within full of all corruption. Even so, they outwardly appeared righteous men, but inwardly were full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This also was a great sin. The last woe in the list is directed against the affected veneration of the scribes and Pharisees for the memory of dead saints. They built the tombs of the prophets and garnished the sepulchres of the righteous, and yet their own lives proved that they were of one mind with those who killed the prophets. Their own conduct was a daily evidence that they liked dead saints better than living ones. The very men that pretended to honor dead prophets could see no beauty in a living Christ. This also was a great sin. 
Such is the melancholy picture which our Lord gives of Jewish teachers. Let us turn from the contemplation of it with sorrow and humiliation. It is a fearful exhibition of the morbid anatomy of human nature. It is a picture which unhappily has been reproduced over and over again in the history of the Church of Christ. There is not a point in the character of the scribes and Pharisees in which it might not be easily shown that people calling themselves Christians have often walked in their steps. Let us learn from the whole passage how deplorable was the condition of the Jewish nation when our Lord was upon earth. When such were the teachers, what must have been the miserable darkness of those who were taught by them? Truly, the iniquity of Israel had come to the full. It was high time indeed for the Son of Righteousness to arise and the gospel to be preached. Let us learn from the whole passage how abominable is hypocrisy in the sight of God. These scribes and Pharisees are not charged with being thieves or murderers, but with being hypocrites to the very core. Whatever we are in our religion, let us resolve never to wear a cloak. Let us by all means be honest and real. Let us learn from the whole passage how awfully dangerous is the position of an unfaithful minister. It is bad enough to be blind ourselves. It is a thousand times worse to be a blind guide. Of all men, none is so culpably wicked as an unconverted minister, and none will be judged so severely. It is a solemn saying about such a one. He resembles an unskillful pilot. He does not perish alone. Finally, let us beware of supposing from this passage that the safest course in religion is to make no profession at all. This is to run into a dangerous extreme. It does not follow that there is no such thing as true profession because some men are hypocrites. It does not follow that all money is bad because there is much counterfeit coin. Let not hypocrisy prevent our confessing Christ or move us from our steadfastness if we have confessed him. Let us press on, looking unto Jesus and resting on him, praying daily to be kept from error and saying with David, Let my heart be blameless toward your decrees. Psalm 119, verse 80. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.